Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a strong running back group again this year, but the question of how they'll be used, I think, will define their season. Who's going to end up being the top dog, and will one of them almost end up being used more like a wide receiver? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Boy, we've got a lot going on. In addition to talking about uh, the Packers running backs, we've got two exciting things to talk about concerning the podcast. The first is the very first Blue 58 podcast scholarship. We announced it at thepowersweep.com earlier this week. I would like you to pitch me your podcast idea. Go and read the post if you haven't. There is a link in your show notes um, in the the post for this this episode. Basically, I want to help you get a show off the ground. If you've had an idea for a Packers podcast, if you just thought it would be cool to have a Packers podcast, I want to help you. Uh, what that entails is paying for a year of hosting on Acast, uh, the podcast platform we use to host Blue 58. That means it's the, it's the place where your files will live on the internet and will get sorted out to all the things like you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, so on and so forth, everything that plays podcasts. Um, I will also buy you a microphone, uh, the AT2020 microphone. In fact, a USB microphone, the exact same one, in fact, that I used to start Blue 58 uh, way back in the day. Use something different now, but that's a very, very solid, solid microphone for helping you get your show off the ground. So, what you need to do: give me your podcast pitch by 11:59 p.m. on Friday, July 15th, to be included. I want to hear what you would do if you had a podcast of your own, and uh, we'll put the top five together into an episode, and we'll have everybody listen to it, and we'll vote on our favorites, and uh, the person who gets the most votes will. Um, will receive the scholarship for this year. Sound good? Good. The second thing I wanted to mention today is uh, a new way for you to get in touch with uh, with Blue 58. We have uh, launched a, a SpeakPipe channel. It's a, just a little widget that allows you to send uh, voicemails to, to the show. Uh, if you want to do that, there is a link in your show notes as well, or just go to speakpipe.com slash thepowersweep. And uh, you can record an audio question and hear yourself on a future episode of Blue 58. Pretty neat. I think so, at least. And it works really well. You can do it right on your phone. You can do it on a computer. You can do it anywhere that you have an internet connection and a microphone. Uh, it's pretty neat, and you could invo- or get involved in a future episode of Blue 58 that way. All right, running backs. I want to spend a second talking about running backs generally before we get to the Packers running backs specifically. Do running backs matter? I think there's a, it's not even a trend. It's like an entrenched part of football analytics now to say, almost as like a, a, a religious mantra that running backs don't matter. And that line itself comes from a pretty big research project that concluded the vast majority of success on a given running play comes from the offensive line, not a running back. By and large, the analytics show that you can more or less swap in a running back um, into a given play, and the success of the play won't depend so much on who's carrying the ball, but who's blocking in front of him. Now, that may be true, but does that actually mean that running backs don't matter? Because when some people say that, they mean literally running backs do not matter at all. They are completely interchangeable. And I don't want to straw man their argument, but that's more or less what they'll say. It makes no difference one running back to the next who's carrying the ball. 
And I want to push back on that a little bit before we start talking about the Packers running backs this year, because I think it's relevant to who the Packers have in the backfield. I think we need to reframe this discussion a little bit, or maybe soften the running backs don't matter stance a little bit. I want to talk about things mattering versus being important, because I think that's a better distinction over whether or not something, than just whether or not something matters. Because I think running backs do matter, because you've got to have them, and there are some running backs who are better than other ones. And having the better ones is better than having the bad ones. I think that should be self-evident. There are better running backs, and there are worse running backs. That seems to be clear. But to the point of the analytics community, are they important? Well, compared to other positions, the answer is probably no. How important is a running back in your overall offense? The question of whether it's better to run or to pass is essentially settled science in football. If you're still debating whether it's more efficient to run or pass in 2022, I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not the earth goes around the sun. Like heliocentrism is basically like we've all kind of agreed on that now, right? We're not openly discussing whether it's the earth going around the sun or the sun going around the earth. Passing is more efficient than running. That's not to say you don't ever need to run or that there aren't good situations in which to run. But generally speaking, your offense is going to be built around passing the football because passing is the most efficient way to move the ball. You can get bigger chunks of yards, so on and so forth. So in an offense or in a game that is football in 2022, who is the most important to your offense? You need a quarterback, obviously. You need an offensive line that can pass block. You need wide receivers who can do all the wide receiver things. And related to that, you need some tight ends. Running backs are pretty far down the pecking order there. That's not to say that a good one can't still make your offense better, but relative to other positions, they're just not quite as important. However, we've got to talk about matchups. And matchups has been kind of a theme of the Packers offseason. We've talked about that a lot on defense. The guys like Devondre Campbell and Devontae Wyatt give the Packers real interesting opportunities as far as creating mismatch and matching up with, just in, in the larger question, with opposing offenses. Running backs, I think, are very important in creating favorable matchups for your offense. It's a position group where you can mess with the defense. You can throw out one running back with your traditional, you know, three wide receivers and a tight end, 11 personnel. You can do two running backs. The Packers do that frequently, and it creates some interesting mismatches. You can do, you know, go back to the 90s and do a running back and a fullback. You could take a running back and split them out like a wide receiver. You can put a running back in motion. You can put two running backs in motions. It's a position that creates matchups. And that matters even if overall it's not as important to your offense as other things. So do running backs matter? Yes, I think. But they matter mostly to the extent that you can use them to create matchups. To do that, what do you need? You need good athletes. In 2022, you need guys that can catch the football, so there are threats to run and to catch the ball. You need guys that can block, because that's part of your passing game. And do the Packers have those things? Yes, they do. Natural segue into the Packers running back specifically this year. Look at that, like I set it up. This year's Packers backfield, I think, is as talented as it's been in a long time, but that's really been the trend for the Matt LaFleur era. 2019, you had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams doing the bulk of the work there. 2020, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. 
Last year, Aaron Jones, A.J. AJ Dillon, and a combination of Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor. Pretty good. This year, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Kylan Hill, or Patrick Taylor again, and then you add in a guy like Tyler Goodson, an undrafted free agent who's as talented as they come, and you're in a really good spot. And to what we talked about to open the show, they are all matchup creators. Aaron Jones can play anything that you need a running back to do, as well as being a a pretty decent wide receiver. A.J. Dillon can do all the traditional running running back things and is a a very good receiver as well, albeit not like Aaron Jones wide receiver style stuff from a running back style receiving, more like is a dangerous receiver out of the backfield. You go further down the depth chart, you see similar things. Patrick Taylor is a force with the ball in his hands on the ground. He carved out a lot of yards against the Lions late in the season last year, despite the Lions and God and everybody knowing that the running game was coming. He just goes out there and hammers away, and here it comes. Kylan Hill showed some dynamic ability in the in the passing game. Great returner. Great. Very good returner. Um, until his season was shortened by the, the ACL injury. He's hopefully coming all the way back this year. There are matchups to be created here. Expectations, I think, for the position group have to be pretty high overall. So let's talk about some of those expectations in general. But first, I want to give a shout out to today's episode sponsors. Our episode today is sponsored by Ben Fritz Saville, Jay Jansen, and Craig. All three of those guys, Patreon supporters, and we are grateful for your support. You know that we do not run ads on the Power Sweep and and on Blue 58, and that's because of your faithful support at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Any dollar amount per month Um, gets you exclusive content there on the Patreon page as well as access to our Discord server, and you just help things continue to function here at Blue 58 and the Power Sweep. So I really appreciate it. I would encourage you, if you are interested in supporting what we do and helping us do things like, I don't know, uh, putting together a podcast scholarship for somebody, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Packers running backs, going low to high in terms of expectations, we start off with B.J. Baylor, a 2022 undrafted free agent. Now, it's kind of tough for me to sit down and say this about any professional athlete, but especially given that I am am not a professional athlete, uh, he seems like just a guy, just a camp body. He was fairly productive as a senior at Oregon State, but you need guys that are just there to soak up some carries in in the preseason and in practice. And that might be B.J. Baylor this year. He didn't do much as a receiver at Oregon State. He's not an overall tremendous athlete. I think you're probably just looking at uh, a camp body here, a guy who's going to take carries in practice, fill out some of those um, late preseason performances, the guy who has to carry the ball in the fourth quarter of games that don't matter. That's probably going to be B.J. Baylor. His expectations or the expectations, I think, for him are, are pretty low. I don't think anybody can really be said to have no expectations at all at running back, given just the nature of the position. But if anybody on this squad would have no expectations, I think it would be a guy like like B.J. Baylor. If he's going to meet low expectations, I think for him the, the bar is, is set at making the practice squad. Anything above that would be the wild overachievement, I think, for him this year. But if he makes the practice squad, good for him. I mean, that's a that's a great step forward in his his very young NFL career. And uh, just sticking around, I think, is is going to be the goal for him this season. 
My prediction, though, for him is that he will not be on the practice squad this year. The Packers just have too many other options. Even if they just carried forward guys that were with the team last year, you'd have Jones and Dylan and Taylor and Kylan Hill. That's four guys that have taken meaningful reps in actual NFL games. I mean, you may be missing out on some potential or or opportunities for guys to grow if you if you don't you know refresh that position. That's true, but if the Packers just stood pat with what they had last year, they'd be even then in pretty good shape. And you've got three guys and, and a practice squad candidate there of those four. Granted, um, Kylan Hill is probably going to be a, a pup list guy to start the season, depending on how his knee is doing. But uh, it, it's a tough road to hoe here for, for guys that are trying to fight their way onto the NFL roster. And then, of course, I, I say all those things and I bring up Tyler Goodson next. If Baylor's a camp body, Goodson is maybe the exact opposite of that. He's got a real shot, I think, to appear on the 53-man roster this year. He was very productive at Iowa, very, very good athlete, great speed. But I still have pretty low expectations. Again, the depth chart ahead of him is tough. I would say I'm pretty excited about Goodson, but I'm trying to temper those expectations as much as possible. I want to be excited about him, sure, and I think that's fair, but let's not go overboard here. He's not going to be RB1 at any time, really, in the 2022 season, unless something goes terribly wrong with a bunch of guys on the depth chart ahead of him, which could happen, I'm I'm sure, but even then, I think we would characterize that as wildly exceeding expectations as opposed to anything that we thought he would do this year. So how does he end up meeting expectations this year? I think he's got to be like practice squad plus. Um, a guy who's going to start the season probably on the practice squad, but end up on the 53-man roster at some point. He's the kind of guy I think you need to get on the field at some point. He's too talented. He's got too many physical tools to just languish on the practice squad for a season. Either use him or, or use that roster spot on somebody else. Because if you if you can't figure out something to do with a guy who has been this productive at a, at a pretty big program and has this kind of athleticism. What are we even doing here? My predictions for Goodson are that he will end up on the 53-man roster at some point in 2022, maybe not to start the season, depending on what goes on with a couple guys on the depth chart ahead of him, but I think he will end up there at some point this year. And I also predict that he is going to get, get a touch in a game. He's not just going to hang around. He's going to at least have something to do. Big big swing there on an undrafted free agent, I realize, but uh, I think he's got the chops to do it. Kylan Hill is our next man up here. He's basically last year's version of Goodson. Now, he wasn't an undrafted free agent. The Packers took him in the seventh round. Functionally, pretty much the same. I would say I would have moderate expectations, moderate to high expectations for Hill this year, but for the ACL injury. It's going to be less than a year removed from that by the time training camp comes around. Uh, He's still on the way back. So I think our our expectations need to be accordingly pretty low. If he was fully healthy heading into this year, I would be talking about things like uh, three back sets featuring Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Kylan Hill all in the backfield together. You've got Dillon and, and Hill lined up in traditional running back spots, Aaron Jones out in the slot or something. Let's get crazy. You've got enough talent in the in the backfield to do some really wild things. Let's do it. Uh, but as he's coming back from an ACL injury, I think we we temper those expectations a little bit, set the bar pretty low, and say that all he's really got to do to have a successful 2022 is just show that he's back. Lock up that number three job eventually. He's got some challengers. That could be a challenge. 
But um, that's really the bar here. I think you viewed Patrick Taylor as the incumbent, Kylan Hill as the challenger. But Hill's going to have opportunities, especially with what he brings on special teams. My prediction is that Hill is going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list as a precaution. He'll be out for the first six of the, six weeks of the regular season, but I do think he will end up on the 53-man roster at some point. The Packers really don't have another guy like him other than Aaron Jones, depending on what, what Tyler Goodson can do. But Hill is versatile enough and athletic enough that I think you, you give him a shot to get all the way back and then decide from there. Seems pretty fair. So I think he's going to start, again, the, the season on the pup list, but we'll get to the 53-man roster at some point. Continuing to move up the list, our one player with moderate expectations this year is Patrick Taylor. He looked solid, but fairly limited, in the handful of reps he got last year. But for the first time now in his still pretty young NFL career and, and Packers career, he gets to build on something. He was injured coming out of college, took him a while to get up to speed. Last year was functionally his rookie year. Still getting his feet wet in in real NFL action. Now he should be all systems go. I've got moderate expectations for him this year. He's not going to be a guy like Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, but I still think he could be a contributor. We've talked about him just moments ago as the incumbent number three running back. There are going to be challengers, to be sure. Kylan Hill among them, definitely. But Patrick Taylor starts out as the guy who's got the job because he had it last year and he did it last year. This year, I think Taylor has to show that he can be more than just a a number three running back, though. And he has to, to show that he can do more than just regular kind of bog standard running back things. He hasn't shown that he can be the returner that Hill is really at any level, though I think he could do it. He hasn't been a plus receiver. He's got to add a little extra value to his game. I predict that he will be the Packers' third running back to start this season. Not super sure about that prediction, but I think ultimately the Packers go with familiarity over potential in a guy like Goodson or, or even Hill on his way back. I think I think Patrick Taylor wins the job just, just because he had it before. That doesn't mean he's going to have it all season, but I think that's where the Packers end up to start the year here. Of course, he's only the number three job or number three guy because the two jobs ahead of him, two guys ahead of him, are pretty darn good. You may have heard of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. The two guys with high expectations in the Packers running back room right now. Let's start with Aaron Jones. Other than team success, I don't think there's very much else that Aaron Jones needs to accomplish in his NFL career. He's been successful. He has kind of well, not even kind of, actually risen up the ranks from day three pick to part-time player to full-time player to unquestioned number one back. He's gotten the big contract. He's done everything the Packers have asked him to do. Now you're kind of in legacy mode a little bit. Where does he ultimately rank among the great Packers running backs in NFL history? in Packers history. Late last season, he passed Ryan Grant on the Packers' all-time rushing yards list. He's currently got 4,163 yards. He should pass Tony Canadeo, the Hall of Famer here, in in the early part of the season. Canadeo is only 36 yards ahead of him on the all-time list. 
With 900 yards, he'd move up into third place all time, and he's probably not going to catch one and two. Amon Green with 8,300 yards and Jim Taylor with 8,200 yards are probably too far ahead of him to catch at this point in his Packers career. But still, we're at that point in the in the career for Aaron Jones. He's at how will he be remembered sort of territory. Right now, he's he's already, you know, again, top five in both rushing yards and rushing touchdowns with, with 41 rushing touchdowns. He's nine behind Paul Horning for the third spot. He just needs to continue to be great. He's a good player. He's got a big paycheck. Expectations shouldn't be anything but high for him. So how can Aaron Jones meet high expectations heading into 2022? I think he's got to be 2020 Aaron Jones again. Last year is a little bit dinged up. He had the second lowest yards per carry total of his career, 4.7. Only worse season than that, he averaged 4.6 per carry. If he can get back up over 5-plus yards per carry, I think the Packers are golden. Plus, I think he's going to be used more as a receiver, so if he can contribute there, that sounds pretty darn good to me. And this is probably his last go-round in Green Bay, unless there's some significant restructuring. His cap hit next year is $20 million and change. That's too much. Even if you think of him as like a slot receiver, playing running back occasionally, $20 million is too much. Uh, and, And the Packers are probably going to go in a different direction or do some serious work to lower that number. But I think he can still have a very good 2022 season. And, uh, and I hope he does because he seems like a really great guy and he's a, a great guy to have in Green Bay. I predict that Aaron Jones is going to set a new career high in receiving yards. This is something that we haven't really talked about at length yet concerning the Packers wide receiver picture, but a partial solution to figuring out the Packers receiver depth chart is to just add Aaron Jones into the mix. You've got a bunch of unknown commodities there. What is Aaron Jones not at this point in his career? Anything but unknown. The Packers know exactly what they have in him He is going to be part of their receiving game, I think, in ways that we haven't really seen from him before. I think he's going to set a new career high in in receiving yards. Previous best was 474. I think he breaks 500 yards receiving this year. That's not even that high of a bar. That's only about 30 yards per game over the course of a 17-game season. And I predict he's going to play all 17 games, too. I think it behooves him to try to do all he can to make that happen, because he surely knows that his cap number is big next year too. So he's functionally in a contract year. He's in audition mode too. He wants another paycheck if he can. I mean, who wouldn't? That's I, Chasing money, I think, is, is often portrayed as, as like a character fault or something like that, something you wouldn't want people to do. But if you're in a position to get paid, why wouldn't you do everything that you can to make sure that the paycheck is as big as it possibly can be? That's what all of us do, right? Aaron Jones, if he's not going to be in Green Bay next year, wants to make sure that whoever's paying him is paying quite a bit of money. So appear in every game and play well. And uh, even if it's not in Green Bay next year, shoot, make sure you're getting paid well. So that brings us to A.J. Dillon, the last guy in this running back room that we haven't talked about yet. The Packers don't really have the guy in their backfield. Depending how you want to stack the depth chart, it's either Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as 1 and 1A or the reverse. And it may vary depending on the week. But I think in 2022, Dillon is as close to the guy as they've got. Now, I know I just predicted that Aaron Jones would play in every game this year, but a big part of that is limiting the wear and tear. 
because I think at this point in his career, he's a guy where you don't want to expose him to a ton of contact if you don't have to. Use him as that guy that split out. Use him as the screen guy. Use him as the exclusive wide zone guy. But use that sort of stuff, not sparingly, but don't burn him out if you don't have to. Let A.J. Dillon soak up a bunch of the carries where there's going to be a lot of wear and tear because that's his entire deal. And I think the expectations have to be accordingly high for Dillon. This seems to me like the first full A.J. Dillon experience here. We've gotten uh, gotten glimpses of that in the past. We got a little bit of of it against the Titans, well, a lot of it against the Titans back a couple years ago. Got a lot more of it last year. I think this is the fully unlocked A.J. Dillon year this year. The Packers aren't going to have much choice other than to lean on him a lot unless they want to burn out Aaron Jones. So, high expectations, how can A.J. Dillon meet them? Well, if he's going to be the guy or some version of the guy, he's got to own that job. He's got to produce like he is the number one guy. There's got to be no question. Because AJ or Matt LaFleur has been kind of weird with A.J. Dillon in, in spurts. He kind of disappeared last year in the playoffs against the 49ers because LaFleur just didn't put him out there all that much. And the same was true against the Buccaneers in the playoffs the year prior. After Aaron Jones gets blown up and fumbles and that game really turns there early in the third quarter in a negative way, we never really saw A.J. Dillon. It was all Jamal Williams down the stretch. And I'm not really sure why that was. Did he not want to expose the rookie in that situation? Did he not trust him? Did Aaron Rodgers not trust him? Who knows? But A.J. Dillon, if if Lafleur ever gets jumpy, it seems like he's the guy that, that gets pulled. And I want to see that reverse. I want to see him own the job, and I want to see him produce like he owns the job. And I think he will. I think he's going to end up with the most touches among Packers running backs this year. And I think he's going to break 1,000 yards rushing. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to carry the football this year, and he'll produce when he has them. So there's your Packers running backs. Agree? Disagree? Now would be a good time to drop any questions you have uh, into our SpeakPike channel. Check out the link in your show notes. Uh, Let your voice be heard. Love to include your questions in a future episode of Blue 58. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you on this episode. Appreciate you listening in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take an opportunity and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.